For many years before leaving the US, I can remember hearing the idolization about, oh my goodness, how amazing life over in Europe is. There are so this, there are so that. It's so amazing. It's so wonderful. It's so this. And I do hear from many expats straight off the boat about the wonders of how Europe is so much better than the US. And having been abroad 15 going on 16 years now, I can say that there are definitely a lot of wonderful things about living in Europe and life in Europe. And this whole time that I have been abroad, it has hasn't always been specifically in Europe only, but I wanted to approach this video as somebody who has been outside of the US for this amount of time and talk about some of my perspectives on life in Europe and some of the things that you can find in speaking in gross generalizations and painting with the widest of brushes. I'm Rafael Di Furia. Welcome to another episode of Not Your Average Globetrotter and roll that intro. Like I said, I'm Rafael Difuri and welcome back to another episode of Not Your Average Globetrotter. So let's just jump straight into this. And I can say that there are certain things that are definitely wonderful about living in Europe, but I'm not going to say it is the perfect promised land that so many think is what you will find. I mean, let's talk about one of the most basic things about life almost anywhere in Europe, and that is dealing with bureaucracy. Oof. Bureaucracy is one thing that you will definitely be running into across the European continent. Doesn't matter whether you're in the European Union or not. There are so many forms and stamps and this and that and certifications that you might need, even for regular day-to-day -day things that you will be very surprised even trying to open up a bank account. Maybe you're going to need this certification or you're going to need this document to prove your address, to show where you live. But beyond the bureaucracy, and having to deal with that in very many ways, and especially if you are someone moving from another part of the world, you will have to deal with the bureaucracy just to have your visa to be able to remain here and be able to have your daily life and goings on. But one thing that kind of comes along with this is that even though across the European continent you will find uh, the bureaucracy in full force, something that's actually a bit funny to me is that there's kind of almost this line that you can draw across Europe, like horizontally, where almost everything above the line, just generally speaking, and again, gross generalizations here, and I realize not everybody is going to fit into this, but there can be some uptightness about certain parts of Europe and especially north of that kind of imaginary line. But then below that imaginary line, south of that imaginary line, things can get pretty laid back. And sometimes, depending on how far below that line you are, maybe sometimes things could get a little too laid back, except for maybe Italy, where I have found things to be both laid back and uptight all at the same time, especially when dealing with bureaucracy. <laughs> But not all of this video is about how good or bad or this or that things are, but some of the differences, just the basic differences in lifestyle. But one thing, especially in more northern parts of Europe, is that you see a lot of the socialization done in a different way. Um, you may have like, in general, because in Europe, homes are going to be a bit smaller than they might be in the US, that your socialization might not be done necessarily at a house party. But for example, maybe you go to a cafe, a restaurant, a square, a public square, and you just meet with the people that you know. I mean, for example, if you watched my episode last week where I was walking through Braga, as soon as I get to the main square, you see groups of elderly individuals who are just out hanging out with their friends and they're just meeting, standing around or sitting on benches and just out and about living their lives. I mean, this is a very normal thing to use outdoor spaces 
even almost regardless of the weather. But you do see in some other parts of Europe that, yes, even though kind of these public spaces, I mean, even think about the word pub, for example, public house, like a place where the public can go and uses like their kind of living room area, sharing a beer, sharing a meal, whatever it may be. Even families can go with kids. I mean, maybe some pubs, especially in the UK, might uh, not allow children after a certain time. Just depends. You never know. But in some other parts of maybe the colder parts of Europe, maybe it could be a little bit more likely to have people come into your home and socialize in your home. Not that it doesn't happen in Southern Europe, but across the board, I've seen that these public spaces end up being more of the socialization areas than what might be back in the country where I grew up. Another thing that ends up having a bit of a difference between Northern Europe and Southern Europe is about the size of clothing. And I can say for me, Regardless of my weight, if I'm weighing a little bit more, if I'm wearing a little bit less, generally speaking in Southern Europe, I have a very difficult time to find things, as I've mentioned in so many episodes, things that fit me properly. Either they're too small for my shoulders, too big for the waist, or too this, or too that, or too the other, or the the sleeves will only go up to maybe halfway up my arm, whereas... It should go to the wrist. I think that's a pretty normal request to have. And I've had it even where I've gone to buy shirts and they say, oh no, just your arms are too long. This is how it is. This is how the shirts are made. It's like, I've bought plenty of shirts in my life that don't come up halfway up my forearm or to my elbow. The cuff is supposed to be down by the wrist. Or is it just me? Maybe I'm imagining things in this world. But also, it can definitely depend on the brand, but even generally, even at a mall in Portugal or even Italy, for example, shopping is a nightmare often, even when it comes to shoes. But uh, one actually really cool thing that has been changing over the years, especially since I first started visiting Europe as a kid, um, okay, the whole world has changed in this way, but specifically, I would say in the last years, Europe has definitely caught up with some of how America has been shopping online. And so shopping online has become a bit easier and a bit more convenient. However, it's going to depend on what country in Europe you're from or not necessarily from, but where you're living. So for example, Amazon has a pretty big presence in Italy, so you can actually get things really fast if you live in Italy. Depends on how far you are out, maybe how far south you are, or if you're living on one of the islands, but you could be living in some places in the mainland and get things next day. I think even Milan, maybe Rome might have same day deliveries for some things, but whatever, that's neither here nor there. Germany is also another country where Amazon exists in Europe, Spain, the Netherlands is very limited, France also, but generally speaking, the problem if you're used to Amazon in the US, granted, you're going to have different products that are available to you just to begin with. But one of the other things that I would say is really noticeable is that the selection of items seems to be a lot smaller than what you might find in the US. Granted, you still can shop if you're living in Europe from Amazon Germany, if you're living in Portugal. I mean, the the Amazon for Portugal is technically Amazon Spain. So even if you want to have like Amazon Prime, you would do it through Amazon Spain, and then you access the Portuguese version of the website. But you do have Amazon Germany, Amazon Italy, Amazon Netherlands, Amazon uh, Sweden, maybe, whatever. Within the European Union, 
especially if you're shopping in euros, this is something that makes it a lot easier because you're not going to have to worry about import export. If you're shopping amazon.co.uk, that's a different story. That is not the same as it used to be. It used to be really easy to buy from co.uk because they were in the EU, but now that's a little bit of a different story. But even for some of the same items that you might find on Amazon in the US versus Amazon in Italy or Amazon in Spain or Amazon in Germany, uh, you might find them actually at a much higher price in Europe than you might in the States. I mean, for example, I like watches. I like to look at them online and sometimes I like to price compare it even if I'm not going to buy one. I just am always curious about what's going on. So there I can say a number of watches that I've seen in Amazon across Europe that are double the price of what they might be in the US, but then you sometimes do have models that can be a little less expensive over here. Kind of depends on what you're going for. And nowadays, especially with how the rules are set up and how uh, Amazon even has their international services, you can order things from Amazon US and prepay for the uh, tax and duties and all of that stuff. Of course, you don't want to go above a certain amount and it's going to depend on what country you're in because that will change how that can go. But of course, if you are ordering from outside of the EU and you have the option to prepay for those taxes and duties, especially like I think DHL is one of those companies and maybe GLS is another one where you can prepay those, definitely prepay. I mean, depending on what country you're in, like I've heard so many stories from so many different places about packages getting stuck in customs for months on end. That might not be the case, but then there could be situations where maybe you order something and it just doesn't get through. You never know. And it could be for something as simple as a book. But another thing that I vividly remember hearing about from my time back in the US, as well as from expats that are straight off the boat it's about oh my gosh they eat so much healthier in europe and everything is so much better in the quality and blah, 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 blah. you still have a lot of crap out here i mean i will say i've been noticing even the amount of fast food chains popping up all across the continent just increasing all the time i remember a time when maybe you could find mcdonald's maybe but now i mean like even here in braga portugal you have uh, taco bell Taco Bell was never in Europe from years ago. Now it's popping up. Uh, I did see it in Spain. Like that was maybe the first country I found it in, in Europe, whatever. But anyway, neither here nor there. Actually also Subway as well. Um, but yeah, you have all of these chains. I mean, Burger King, KFC, Pizza Hut, Domino's. It's all over the place. It's not like it's going to be in every country. And it's not like it's going to be plastered all over the place. But especially if you're in a city, I mean, a lot of young people are going to be drawn to these places, but even not young people and just people who are looking for something quick and easy. I mean, I have had plenty of situations where at least if I'm in a place that I'm unfamiliar with the, the landscape and maybe I'm needing to get on a train and I need something quick that I can rely on. Okay, I'm not going to say rely on the quality, but rely on that it's more than likely that I won't get food poisoning from or that it's not going to be something that's going to make me vomit. I might just find myself under the golden arches, aka Mickey D's, or as I like to call it, the unofficial American consulate, minus the consular services. Anyway, never mind. But when talking about food in general. Yes, fast food exists, and there's plenty of really bad fast food that's not good for you at all. Deep fried. I mean, everybody says, oh, Americans, it's so unhealthy. Okay. Yeah, that's probably something wrong about 
deep frying a Snickers bar and coating that in some sort of whatever it is dough that just I'll give that one to you. But you do find plenty of things that are so beyond fried in Europe, especially once you get to like say Northern Europe and Eastern Europe. I mean, if you like fried food, that's where you want to go. Although even Spain and Portugal, you do find a lot of fried food as well. Salgados in Portugal. It's just a whole category of food, a very delicious category of food. So it's not like, oh my gosh, everything in Europe is so much better and so much healthier. And so la, 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 la. Eh, you have healthy options, but you also have crap, just like anywhere else. Overprocessed food exists just about everywhere. There's no escape from it nowadays. Okay, I mean, you can avoid it, but you get what I mean. But a major difference when we're talking about lifestyle, not just about food, but getting around. I've mentioned in a number of episodes that I don't have a car, don't need a car. I'm borderline whether I want a car or not. I can see an advantage to having one, but can I say that in my day-to-day life that I absolutely need one? No. I mean, if you live in a European city that has decent transportation or that is walkable, I mean, the options are almost endless. I mean, especially if you're in some of the bigger cities that have decent metro systems and you're close to a metro stop or not far from a metro stop and then you have the ability to work close to another one i mean hey like this is pretty awesome i mean even like for example in braga even if you don't live in the center the center of the city is still accessible by foot you don't have to have a car here granted there are going to be parts of the city that are going to be quite annoying to walk from and there's a bus system not always the most ideal routes and not always the most ideal schedule, but hey, it exists if you want it. But generally speaking, it is possible to set your life up in a way that you don't need a car. I mean, especially if you move to the center of one of these cities uh, or even if you move to a village. If you move to a village, though, I would say generally speaking, you would want to have a car so that you wouldn't be stuck in your village because there are plenty of villages across Europe that just don't have public transportation or don't have it often, maybe once a day in some places or a couple of times a day or once hourly. So that can make getting to and from your home to the next city or whatever it is you're trying to get to a bit annoying, if not unreliable. And especially if we're talking about Sunday schedules, those are definitely a thing out in this part of the world. But if we're talking about schedules, then of course we have to talk about how many places just flat out close in the afternoon. Even in big cities, um, even small cities, you can find that stores are just during lunchtime closed or that if you wanting to go to a restaurant that's not during lunchtime or not during dinner time, and you're just kind of in the afternoon at maybe even what might be considered a normal eating time in your home country, you might not be able to sit down. You might get people looking at you like, who is this crazy person? I know I've had that happen to me plenty of times, although it might not always necessarily be directly related to food, but that's a different story. But when talking specifically related to food, then we're talking about, yeah, Like, say, there are times when I have that little American urge, maybe to eat dinner at five o'clock or six o'clock and show up at a restaurant and the doors are shut or they're just starting to get set up and I ask them what time they start serving. They're like, 
What do you mean? What time do we start? Why are you trying to eat this early? Go to the cafe down the street and get a cookie. I have adjusted over the years, but during the time that was, how can I say this in a YouTube friendly way? The period of time when going out wasn't necessarily allowed. I'll just say it that way. Whoops. During that time, I fell into a little bit more of an American kind of schedule for eating. And I haven't totally come out of that yet. Yes, okay, fine. Eating at nine o'clock. Okay, eating at eight o'clock. Fine. But I mean, there are still parts of Europe that I've been to, especially in some of the southern areas where it's hot in the summer. And I've been to dinner with groups of people where we didn't sit down until 11, 11 And maybe we didn't get served until 12 30. It exists. It's a thing. It can happen in some places, but not everywhere. But maybe figure, especially more in like Spain, Italy, and Portugal, some of these countries, between like, say, 2.30 and 6.30 or 7 o'clock, that's kind of going to be the time that's going to be the no man's land for being able to go to find a restaurant. The further south you go, the wider that window may become. I mean, once you already start getting to that 2 o'clock point... That's already starting to become a bit iffy in many places. Even here in Braga, there's places that they don't close per se at 2, but they close maybe at 2.30 or they stop serving at 2.30 or by 3, it's like everybody's already out. And many places, really the dinner kind of rush ends up happening, what, like say 7.30-ish? And so even for certain places that don't take reservations, you won't like maybe you want to get there a little bit beforehand so you don't come in the Portuguese dinner rush. That's pretty average. But then also when going out to say a bar or a club, I mean, there've been a couple of times, not that I'm somebody who really goes out and parties or anything, but there've been a few times where I've been out and I even, uh, not this, this last uh, new year's Eve, but the previous new year's Eve, I was with a group of people. We decided we wanted to go out for new year's Eve, celebrate the, the coming of the new year. And we got to the bar and they said, Oh, sorry, but everything is reserved. Uh, but you can stay here until 1230. We're like, yeah, that's kind of the point. That's what we were kind of interested in. And so we had this whole table that was reserved until I think maybe 1245, one o'clock. And then they said, hey, sorry, we need the table now. But the club, the bar didn't really start having people come in until maybe 1215 is kind of when it started. By 1230, it was filling up. By one o'clock, it was like, okay, this is now the the normal time that people are here. And there was another time I was at another club here in Braga with a, a group of people. It was uh, someone's birthday, and we decided, hey, let's go. Let's check it out. Let's see what's happening. And I don't know. It must have, again, been like 1245, one o'clock. And at this particular place, that particular night that I was there, it was actually pretty quiet. And then I left around that time, but there was some people who stayed and they said, yeah, that's actually when it started getting busy and some of the good music started coming on. But these are some of the things that you might notice in some parts of Europe, but not other parts of Europe. I mean, other parts of Europe, you might not see that. Or maybe in a place like Berlin, your schedule would be going to the club on a Friday night and then coming home Monday morning. It exists. People do that. I don't know how it's possible, but apparently it's a thing. It's been explained to me by a number of people. <laughs> I don't get it, but hey, if it's your thing, enjoy. But anyway, as I'm seeing my list here, I'm seeing that this actually 
could very easily be a video double the length and size. So I think I may end this episode off right here. But if you're interested in maybe a part two to this episode, let me know down in the comment section below here on YouTube. Or if you're watching slash listening to this on Spotify, feel free to come over to YouTube and let me know over here. Or if you're on any of the other podcasting platforms, let me know if that would be of interest to you here in the comment section of this episode. And maybe next week or Sometime in the near future, there could be a part two to this topic. And going into some of the other differences and little things that might be not quite the same as where you're from. But also, if you are living abroad in Europe and you have things that you've noticed over the years, feel free to leave those down in the comment section as well. Maybe some of the things that I've noticed you think might be a little silly or maybe you've noticed the same things. So... Anyway, of course, I'm Rafael Difuria. Stay safe and healthy out there. Thank you all so much for joining me for another episode of Not Your Average Globetrotter, as well as thank you to those of you who helped this project to be able to continue through Patreon on a monthly basis, as well as the one-time support to rafaeldifuria.com slash support, as well as the thanks button here on YouTube. Again, I'm Rafael Difuria. Stay safe and healthy out there, and I will see you all next time. Later. <laughs>